1: Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 182 bunch of Nerdist stuff going on. We've just announced our Nerdist channel lineup, which we were not able to tell anyone for a really long time. Uh, you can go to YouTube.com slash Nerdist right now and click subscribe, please, uh, because starting April 2nd and throughout the rest of the year we'll be launching shows with Neil Patrick Harris. We're going to do Face to Face with Weird Al Yankovic. We're going to do some Kids in the Hall stuff. We're going to do Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson and a ton of other shows. I'm going to do a bowling show. So that's all on the Nerdist YouTube channel launching April 2nd again please go to youtube.com slash slash Nerdist and click subscribe so that uh, we continue to make these shows uh, all right sweet and Nerdist Podcast Live is doing a bunch of cities in the next couple weekends we're gonna be in Philadelphia on the 23rd Atlanta on the 24th then on the 30th Minneapolis and then uh, Madison Wisconsin in April and then Chicago uh, April 13th during C2E2 Tons of super fun shows, so come on out and see us live. That's at Nerdist.com slash calendar. I would like to thank our returning sponsor to the Nerdist podcast, Stamps.com. Guys, you can buy official U.S. postage and print it using your own computer and printer. Well, or anyone's computer and printer, really. It doesn't even have to be yours, but you just need an account. You can print stamps, shipping labels uh, for any letter or package the instant you need it and then the mailman just comes and picks it up and then that's it you don't even have to walk to a mailbox you know they've taken a lot of mailboxes out of the United States anyway so why even try to find one just have them come pick it up right from your house. You'll never even have to go to the post office. Uh, right now, Stamps.com has a special offer for Nerdist listeners. If you Use the promo code NERDIST. There's a no-risk trial, and you get a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. Stamps.com is an amazing solution. Uh, if you are running a business out of your home and you want to look professional, or if you just want your friends and relatives to think that you're about 60% cooler than they are and that you can print out any postage amount that you want... Make it 46 cents just to throw them off. Keep them guessing. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com right now. Before you do anything else, click the radio microphone at the top of the homepage. And then type in Nerdist. That is Stamps.com. Enter the promo code Nerdist. I thank them for helping to keep us afloat here at the old Nerdist blimp industries. What? Uh, This episode is Neil Patrick Harris, a guy that I've been wanting to get on the podcast for a really long time. Also, he is doing a show on the Nerdist uh, channel on YouTube, and uh, he's Neil is a great guy. Really, really great guy. Just, you know, for a guy who had uh, such uh, a- an amazing career as a kid, he uh, turned out to be a nice, normal dude, and uh, we are into a lot of the same stuff, uh, like tech, and I like magic. He's actually a magician, uh, but... When you go to Neil's office, he's also a huge Henson fan, which I love. He's got basically uh, like seven big pictures up in his office, and four of them are Jim Henson and Kermit. Uh, So just a great guy, and it was really cool. to I went on his lunch break and sat down with him at uh, How I Met Your Mother set, and uh, here we go. The Notice Podcast number 182 with the delightful and hilarious and ridiculously talented Neil Patrick Harris. Hashtag NPH.
0: Now entering Nerdist.com. comedy growing tie what is (laughs) that old chestnut what is the comedy growing tie you know it's the it's the growing tie (laughs) this is an old chestnut actually
1: what does it do oh good lord that is the growingest tie I've ever seen.
0: This one, I think, had this this thing goes around low, and then it, it acts like a tie, but then you can keep, like, uh, uh, Duh, I like here it. and it keep getting stretchy, and it gets longer and longer. I thought that would be funny to give to the wardrobe department in case they, uh... In case you need a growing tie? Well, yeah, like Barney gets nervous, like he's being interrogated or something. <laughs> <laughs> <He> keeps, like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, do you implement any of that stuff? Do you do you bring in stuff and go, hey, here's something for the character that you should try? Yeah, or if I th- show the writer something that they laugh at, then they'll... But this envelope looks ancient. Like this looks like yeah. this looks like an, an old antique, growing tie. Abbott's from Michigan. I wonder when it was right.
0: This is like back of the comic book kind of a thing. Oh Abbots. yeah, you untie it. And then as you as you keep trying to stretch it and tie it, it keeps getting longer and longer and longer. The Growing
1: Tie from Abbotts in. Where is that? Colin, Michigan.
0: Comedy. Boys, magic is fun, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Before technology we had to have growing ties. <laughs> now we can just <laughs> I'm a Belschport comedian. <laughs> it was fun a driving. Pork. A boor, A Borschtbelt? Right. A Belschport. I'm a But see, belt. if you had said Belschport back then, it's it would have been funny. Yeah, and a double lap. <laughs> <laughs> what is that called? They call that, like, uh, there's a certain name for, like, when you flip-flop the letters in a word. Uh, I don't know. But what I do know is that uh, I had a fun time getting on the lot today. What happened? They, I was like, oh, hey, I'm here to... They go, well, who are you here to see? And I go, uh, Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> the girl goes, Patrick who? And I go, no, oh. Neil Patrick Harris. He's on a show that's here, and now I expect people to not know who I am right. because I am on the underbelly of television and the ass end of the internet. But you, yeah. I demand star-powered tantrums and mass firings. I'm very upset. Once this podcast the story that
0: you tell me. <laughs> It's the, it's, the, it's the curse of having three names, I think. <laughs> no one else has just those like three names. like Peter, Peter McGuffin. No one has those
1: three names. Peter yeah. McGuffin would be a good... Oh, shit. That's the awesome. Little, uh, a magic tie. Changing tie. How long were you, you've been? How long have you been obsessed with magic? Pretty much your whole life. Yeah,
0: for a while. This could be a fun bit, don't you think? What, flipping the tie inside out? Yeah, I mean, it looks awful, this colored pattern that they've chosen, but... Could be a funny gag on the show. I started recording, by the way. Oh, have you? Yeah. This is, this is tremendous
1: No, it's audio. good. I never knew how the flip-floppy ties worked. Have you ever wondered how they worked, though? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, not recently. <laughs> but at one 1- point... When 20, Doug Henning <laughs> did it in- and <laughs> Everything is a illusion. The tie, the magical tie. <laughs> Doug Henning. I haven't thought of that name in ages. I, when I was a kid, I confused him and Gallagher all the time. Oh yeah. They both had that hippie mullet. And yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> One would smash watermelons, and the other would make them turn into tigers. Yes. What was Doug Henning's main thing? He was
0: just an illusionist, right? He he was an illusionist. It was all about. Uh, yeah, very hippie '70s uh, uni- uh, uh, unicorns and uh, rainbows. What's the, the difference? Magical, between... mystical world, magic. What's the difference between a magician and an illusionist? Is, is an illusionist just a very is like a subset of magicians? Correct. Illusionist would be akin uh, in the same subset as a mentalist. Okay. Or a, a, a cardsmith. Okay. Illusionist, okay. one who just does the illusions. And what are you? What are you? Siegfried and Roy would be illusionists. Right. Well, Siegfried would be an illusionist. <laughs> Roy would be a tiger snack. Okay, no, that crossed the. line. I don't understand. That's, what did I say? That's offensive. Uh, why would that be He's offensive? Not a tiger snack. The tiger was trying to save him <laughs> from just, being alive. <laughs> no, he just what? grabbed the wrong part of him because it was delicious. No, like that's where the no. tenderest meat is. No, that's what? how a cat grabs its its young to to take them away. Is the scruff of the neck? He grabbed him from the back of the neck. Right. So he just loved him too hard. Indeed he did. <laughs> That's what happened. Indeed he did. <laughs> but oddly, Roy um, has uh, defied the odds. And he's doing. Like, he's fine. Whi- he's, well, he's not fine. He's oh. far from fine. He oh. had several strokes. he was like. Wrong. But now he's riding horses and he's speaking and he's moving around much more than they thought.
1: I had no <laughs> idea he was that bad off. So that made every joke that I made completely Terrible. offensive. Yeah, yeah. Bad. That was wrong. Yeah. I'm sure the internet will correct me. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I'm sure their lawyers will correct me. It's possible. <laughs> oh, I have nothing anymore. Oh, great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, lawyers. Uh, Matt- so, how does this podcast thing work? Am I supposed to shill? Or do you have like a you have a bullet points? are no. we going to hit a bunch of topics? We just talk. That's Uh, literally all the podcast is. I I never really prepare for them because
1: I just like to talk to people. And you, I feel like I have a lot to talk about because, number one, you do a million and a half things. And they happen to be a lot of things that I also am interested in. Nice. Um, And you and I dated the same girl. Did we ever. When you dated girls in the early 90s, I think. Indeed. Yeah. Can we say your name, Lisa? Lisa Raffel. <laughs> yeah, she's listening. Get I ready. I think she's listening to my podcast. Get ready, Lisa. We haven't spoken in a long time. Here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I dated, I dated this girl, Lisa, and she was sort of at the core of this group of all these actor kids, mm-hmm. and she was a young actress on. Uh, what was
0: she on? Empty nests? Maybe one of those. She, she was on one like of those. The, the hot, you know, like crazy party girl, and she had cool eighties hats and stuff. She was kind of a hot, crazy a hot, party girl. Crazy party girl. I dated her, and uh, she, her, her mother, her her overbearing mother, mm-hmm. uh, kind of ran her life. Heart of gold. Heart of gold. Lovely people, but Lisa would not. Um, Go past first base. Now, what is first base in your definition? Kissing, and that's it. That's no, it? No... Kissing's a base? No boobs. No. I think boobs would be the second base, wouldn't it? Really? I thought boobs were first base. Really? And then sec... And oh, maybe you're right. No. Okay, you're right. No, maybe... If, if boobs are first base... Yeah. Well, then second base would be what? Uh, over the pants stuff? Who's on first? Twats on 2nd hey twats on second. <laughs> we just high-fived. It was so straight. <laughs> Um, I hate myself So I didn't, uh, literally, we would make out for hours Wow And my hand would slowly inch its way down To try and get a cop a little over the shirt feel Right, and nothing And she So what are you doing? She slapped my <laughs> hand away <laughs> When was this? This was when we were dating But whatever, how old like are you? You were you? I was, I don't know, 18, 19 years old Really? And she was very, like, ch- chastity belt she spoke of it Like Not until I'm married Will I have sex Really? And then We break up And then I hear, three years later, four years later, she's dating you and you're sleeping together all over the place. Uh, Well, I don't know, all over the place. You're just up inside her (laughs) at every turn. So I don't know what you did magically, or maybe she just smelled something was wrong with me. I got one of those little sterno
1: cans and set up a campsite. Uh, I don't know what happened. Fireworks every time
0: on Girls. It was, I think, well, Meyer dated her first. Oh, you're right. Brecken Meyer dated her after I did as well. Yes. So and must I think have been earlier. And I think Brecken and I think uh, Brecken uh, introduced her to the world of Brecken the- done broken that. Oh <laughs> double one. Nice. <laughs> broken Meyer. Bro- <laughs> He's awesome
1: He is a great guy Look He's fantastic And then And then Yeah Keep and then I and Turning I girls into ladies I, I, <laughs> I did <after> admire
0: that.
1: <laughs> Was Lisa the last girl That you dated? No
0: or You dated a girl, 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 girl. I did I did a few Yeah
1: And how important was it Not to get too heavy But how important was it Like when did you Kind of figure out Like Oh I don't think This is something That I'm into Did you always know
0: that And were you trying to Sort of maybe I don't know I mean, it's all so... Those are all so complicated feelings that it's... I I can't say that definitively I was, like, definitely into guys but uh, trying my hardest with girls and it wasn't working. But certainly when I was with girls intimately, I was trying to achieve something that I don't think was achievable. And they wouldn't let you. They smacked your hand And in turn, I think, the way the universe works, simultaneously I was not getting the, you know... Yeah, indoctrination and so Lisa was really the universe the going. Neil, this isn't right for you. It wasn't Lisa alone. There were more, there were a couple that were that way. But um, it all worked out for the best. I'm with a small dude. Oh, so, David's amazing. He
1: is. David is not only th- and puts out. He does put out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Thank, good. And you guys thankfully. have kids. That's huge. I know. Uh, not only is and, and I say this as a straight guy, David is fucking smoking hot, dude. He is and fetching, and a, fetching, and an amazing uh, chef. Yes,
0: well, I thought you were going to go sexual with that, but yes, an amazing. He's an
1: amazing, s- amazing <laughs> dick chef. I don't know
0: what that would be. <laughs> no comment. He's an amazing chef. He's an amazing parent. He's uh, one of the better dancers you will ever come across. He's um, hilarious. And, uh, yeah, easy on the eyes.
1: He and my ex-girlfriend Janet, whom I still adore, uh, were on that On the Lot show together. They were, indeed. And they were like just rotating cast members that mm-hmm. kept would get recycled in different director's shorts. And she came home after the first day working with him, and she was like, I, th- I met my new best friend today, and his name is David Berka.
0: There, uh, Yeah, David uh, and Janet both can try to out-filth each other. They are incredibly filthy. It is unbelievable. Not all the time, you understand, because, you know, he's he has a good side, too. But, boy, the two of them together can say some, an email, some incredibly offensive and lewd... They make me uh, blush, blush a little bit. Oh, so my. Like, whoa, that
1: is amazing. And it's
0: awesome to witness. <laughs> yeah, Jay Farney Jay and D. And Burke uh, hit it off really well. But I noticed that you,
1: I mean... We didn't really reconnect until... I mean, I sort of knew you a little bit when we were kids, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we reconnected because of uh, cause of David and Janet. And you live the most normal, cool, fun kind of life that I think most people would want to have. Like, we go to game... We used to go to game nights at your place, mm. and you guys would, would do, like, uh, murder mystery stuff. And, you know, you'd <laughs> yes. have... have just like, really nice... Like, fun adult parties, not douchey adult parties. Like, it's okay to come and take off
0: your shoes and play games in the house. And I don't know. It was really nice. I honor, like, the suburban lifestyle, really. Like, as uh, socially, because I had weird chapters in my past, it, which were L.A., I was under 21, had a fake ID, cruising around yeah. with Steven Dorf, getting into, like, <laughs> VIP rooms of kick-ass clubs, you know? Um... He, the, might, the he, might, he might still room. be doing that. He might still be doing that. I haven't. I don't. I haven't reconnected with Stephen in some time, um, but because i had sort of processed that world at an earlier age and kind of got, kind of saw mm, what is, in my opinion, the sort of superficiality of it—that mm-hmm. it's sort of the same evening over and over and over with the same forty people that sure. you know, kind of ruling the roost over whatever club is up that night, right? That it just—it's expensive and it's very loud and it's inconsequential. It was to me anyway, because I'd see the same people that I have known for four or five years now, and at the same different bars, and we'd shout at each other. How's—are you working? Mm-hmm. What's going on? How's the business? Yeah, who are you dating? Oh yeah, you broke up. I'm so sorry. You want a drink? Oh yeah. See you later. I'm out, and I just have that conversation. Really, Lisa didn't put out for me. What? (laughs) (laughs) And so I just uh, I don't I didn't I don't love that world. To me, it's better to have um, fewer um, fewer people in your inner circle that um, you can have better conversation with. So yeah, so I like living in the valley over living in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I like not having to worry about parking. And you can just, like, pull up in front of the house and walk in and, Wait, like, what? have wine and I don't understand. play so games.
1: You mean, you like, but but it's like a parking
0: house, and then you have to walk several blocks to your house. No, house, it's right, right in front of the house. You can actually park. It's called a curb. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, Hollywood doesn't have those. You have to have, like, uh, there's parking restrictions. <sighs> Maybe in your crazy things.
1: superstar world, but uh, <laughs> not in the city, my friend. Not anywhere in the city. I'm, I don't know.
0: I just don't, I, I'm not a big fan of, of all of the going out, of all the... That goes with going out, and especially because you're driving, you can't then drink when you're out if you're driving, yeah. because then you're in trouble. Right. So the whole the whole idea is bad.
1: I know, but but the, but it, what's interesting is that you figured that out at a pretty young age, but most people are still doing that after all these
0: years like they don't ever let it go yeah i don't know why that is i just it's, it's expensive man drinks are 15 bucks a pop now or like table service is 250 bucks for a bottle of of vodka that you can get at costco for 22.95 really 250 dollars i'm going to pay yeah. for that and some orange juice and a bunch of slacker tagalongs that want your free <laughs> booze to sit at your table. I just I can't
1: I just can't handle it because of the shouting and because and because I don't drink. Just sobri- like you can't it's so hard to be sober in those situations because yeah. you're just you can you can really feel everything. You can feel how loud everything is. You can feel how vapid the conversations are and you really you really can feel like this is like some sort of a weird vampire den. I
0: don't want to be here. And it just, yeah, it just never led. I mean, I'm I have good acquaintances from those war, from those years, but um, not many t- true friends from all of that. How and can- I've never, I was never a drug guy uh, beyond pot, which I uh, have smoked. Uh, I've never, I've never done cocaine or or any of those like crazy party drugs. Me neither. So that was never my thing. Me neither. So once it got into that whole, like, late-night world, I was out. I couldn't really. That was not my... The after-hours club. I'm a sickler for authenticity, and when I think that someone's hyperkinetic and, like, coming at me laughing too hard at jokes and stuff, I, I retreat. <laughs> yeah, that,
1: that, that's the other thing that I found is hard, is that it, it, when you... If you're not... It, not to make this all about sobriety But when you're not drinking And you're having a conversation With someone who's clearly drunk You just kind of right. feel like
0: I'm wasting all this yeah. time Because you're not going to remember Any of this For sure <laughs> For sure And even if both people Are like kind of tipsy I feel like the same thing is true How did you turn out so normal?
1: You must Your family You must have an amazing family Because You know You have been You were a child actor As far back as You probably can remember And You're 12 not, or
0: 13 You're not I remember uh, that here. You're not You're not kooky in any real way. (laughs) Well, I came from New Mexico. My family's still from there. I do find them very normal and awesome, Ron and Sheila. Shout out. (laughs) Hey, hey. Um, they're just good people, and I think that they weren't... We were never overwhelmed by the fame of the business. We were kind of intrigued by the, um, the, the process and the longevity of the business. So, um... When chapters would come, we were more, my parents at least, were much more concerned about how authentic it was and what agendas were behind it. Maybe they were a little cynical, but I think in that chapter, cynicism was effective, Mm -hmm. because if they were blinded by the glamour, it would have been way worse. Right. Because I know too many people who had normal-ish parents that then were kind of taken by it all and then became the their child's manager and Ugh. became their business manager Good. and then stole their money and right. spent their money and then had a big fight and broke up as parents and children and it was nasty. Is there so. anything more disgusting that is legal <laughs> than,
1: <laughs> so than like a parent glomming onto a kid's fame and then trying to absorb that experience for themselves? And it just hard. feels It's
0: so hard though because as I'm a parent now and, and you know, if, if our kids at, 12 or 13 came into a situation where they were acting, uh, one, You know, da- either David or I, by law, would be required to be on set all the time with them, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're invested already. Um, my parents had to move to California when Doogie Hauser happened because we thought it was important to be together as a family rather than have one parent in, in New Mexico and one parent in L.A. But by doing so, both of their jobs are put on hold because they don't have uh, legal licenses in California they only practice law in New Mexico so they sort of have to put their business world on hold to be uh, a nuclear family here in LA by doing so they don't have any income so they are sort of are required to take some money to you know pay their bills sure. i'm making a lot of money on a show but already now we have a twisted fucked up dynamic because they're taking money from me i'm their child they're the parent they have to do so because we've decided these We've made these decisions together, but it just feels weird, and so I think it is a creepy feeling, but it it's a required feeling. It's 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 a matter of knowing when it's time to like go back to your own world and not just live off of of the children forever. But that's a very complicated conversation. I mean, you. I, I I imagine the percentage must be
1: like one or two percent of people who make it through that experience and live
0: normal adult lives and are pretty well adjusted. You know. Well, I think then. it's only one or two percent of people, frankly, that that get to do something that provides recognition for them and then get an opportunity to do something again yeah. You know, so many actors that are adult actors on television shows get known for being on that show that's really popular and then don't ever work much again Yeah, to that same level I suppose so I've been very 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 lucky in that world I mean Doogie Howser was incredibly cool and very random um, and I would never have thought it would have ever happened again decades later in a Barney Stinson kind of way. I just <laughs> never would have... How, how was it random? Well, I guess just random that I wasn't seeking it out. Um, the audition... Ca- it was one of the things we said we'd never do as a family, is get a, on a TV show that moved us to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the caveats was, unless it was someone like Stephen Bochko. Uh, who wanted you to be on, a star of his show. Sure. Because my parents were huge L.A. Law fans because they were lawyers in Hill Street Blues. We watched all the time. Like They were d- diehard fans of his. So then all of a sudden, this happens, and uh, and it happened. And so we said yes, and we did it. But And then you never think a show that's that, the idea of that kid who's a genius doctor guy would become... Uh, an actual series you know you kind of do the pilot and then assume that it's not going to happen and then it it does and kind of carries on for 4 years so it was random. TV is a very random business. But as a doctor for
1: Doogie Howard, the benefit of having tiny hands for invasive exams, I think, is probably.
0: It's better for them. <laughs> it's better for the patient. Yeah. Wait, this 12 year old's gonna stick go- his hand at me? Come on, what are we talking about here? How's that legal? <laughs> had I only had big giant mitts, I would have felt more powerful. <laughs> right.
1: You know, digging around. It would have been a much different show if they had cast a kid who played Chunk. <laughs> 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 Indeed. How is it? I mean, <clears throat> you know, again, that's Doogie Hauser was sort of an anomaly in the sense that, I mean, we're about the same age, and I don't, I don't ever remember getting a sense from other kids in my school like that show's fucking dumb, a twelve-year-old genius, whatever. Like, kids watch the show, and there, was, yeah. and there was something about it that I guess it was maybe that he, that the character was smart but still not
0: threatening. Was that it? I suppose it was one of those shows at that time where families could watch it together and kids still felt kind of respected. Yeah. I don't know. What was that show uh, with Wilfred Brimley? Oh, um, this old house. This, yeah, this old. No, and this old. This old diabetes house. (laughs) There's old. old There's a lot of oats. Quaker oats. Am I I mixing? This old oats house. (laughs) This old oats house. No, no, Shannon Doherty was on it. Oh yeah, it was. um so, oh, a house, not oh, house in it. the life, in the ha- living and living on a. That was it. Was in that same kind of world. Living in a thing, Doogie Hauser was on, and I don't know. I get a lot of people now who are our age. My lord, I'm almost forty, and they say that they they, it was one of the few things they would watch together as a family. Yes. I guess. You could, you know, Doogie was still a kid, and he would, he and Vinny would have their fun little romp'y time. But then at the end, they'd he'd type on Max
1: Casella. Max Casella, who
0: was on Boardwalk Empire, he is indeed. Yeah, he's managed to do great HBO work. That's pretty. I good. love Max. He's great. Do you, do you guys still talk? <clears throat> we don't at all. But we, you know, he'll he'll send like a lovely, a lovely note every now and again, saying how proud he is, and I, I try to do the same. But it's great. I mean, he. He had the hardest, I think, of any of us, like, breaking out of the Doogie Howser thing. It was r- That was a rough thing for me, because I was hoping for, like, a chapter of anonymity after it had happened. But I wasn't really granted that. Sure. And I'm not going to, you know, fucking cry about it. But it was weird to be everywhere you go, have people say, Doogie, and then run oh, away. Oh, God. That was crazy. Yeah. But at least I could own it at a certain point and go, yeah, well, I, I was Doogie, so if they're going to shout it at me, that's fine. But poor Max. You know, he was Vinny, where's Duke every time. Oh, yeah. Where's Doogie all the time. And I was still growing. Max Max was, I think, six or seven years older than me. So when I was 18 on the show, he was 24. Oh, wow. So he was a man um, from that point on. So um, it, I, just, I think it was – I can't speak for him, but I can only imagine that the, all the – Yo, Where's Duke? We yeah. get old to him. But he went and did Broadway. He did The Lion King. He did um, The Music Man. Then he went and did Sopranos. And then he did Boardwalk Empire. So,
1: Was there any sense when you were doing the show that... Did you were, did you have the, the sense of like, Oh, yeah, sometimes when someone does a show that really pops and they are really a character, that they kind of just don't work anymore. Or did you not even worry about that? Uh, yeah, I didn't... Uh, as far as me, yeah, you know, like someone, you know, like it's a, it's like the George Reeves syndrome of like he played Superman and they could never
0: cast him in anything again because he was just too much Superman. Well, I I was lucky. I think I think someone like Max needed to worry about that more. I think playing like the wacky sidekick is harder in the TV land than playing. I was sort of the every man, average guy. The only crap thing about it was the name himself right if his name was Lance it probably would have been a, a Lance <laughs> did lot, you did you have any input on that easier. do we really have do to we, call him can we talk for a minute, minute about Doug Hauser can we just call him Doug uh, 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 Doug's fine it's more ironic that i that i now playing a guy named Barney of all names <laughs> <laughs> That must have been
1: such a there must have been such a relief like when people stopped going doogie Doogie, and, barney barney like uh, oh my uh, god uh, i have uh,
0: gone beyond <laughs> no. um no i was glad to be like that. The average nucleus around the which were all the weird eccentric people. No, I don't know. I mean, I just like working, and 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 as an actor, you can speak to this. You're just, you know, you're waiting when you're not working for an agent to call and say we have this audition for you, and then you we're sending you the script, and then you read the script, and then you go on audition. That's like it's that's as base as it is. Yeah and so if you have a funny name or you're a wacky character or whatever you should be so lucky as to get the job right you can't really process the ramifications of it until it's happening yeah and so i was no i was loving it it was great but then the tv landscape was totally different back then too so it was it wasn't cable was not like this and there was no internet uh, so to speak of back then so you were a tv actor and not a tele, not a feature film actor so that was the only drawback. It was yeah. like, when the show was done, I was like, oh, nuts. I'm not going to be able to be in any cool indie films. Did you go? Did you do Broadway after that for a while? Uh, I did a bunch of made-for-television movies mm-hmm. uh, for a while. And then I think I went and did some theater in um, San Diego. I was Romeo and Romeo and Juliet, which was my first Shakespeare thing I'd ever done. And then I did some more theater there did a couple of movies and smaller things but the TV stuff paid the bills for sure
1: it's pretty crazy to get on it's hard enough i mean i think people have a sense like how hard it is to get on one show that gets picked up that then becomes a hit but then to be on two shows that get picked up and then become a hit especially i mean you talk about television landscape television landscape now for network
0: is fucking crazy yeah yeah it's difficult yeah um it's crazy crazy now cuz now you have So many people vying for those same jobs. Yeah. Like, big-time movie stars wanting to, like, settle down and make some good money and do a good show.
1: Probably a lot of them who shit on television at some point. They're like,
0: maybe television's not so bad after all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but that's great. You're getting great talent, you know, week in, week out to do great work. What is it? Ashley Judd is doing that new show, Missing or something? Wow, that's amazing. That's like an ABC network isn't it A B C yeah. Primetime Show? Ashley yeah. Judd is starring in it. She's a big ass movie star. Yeah. That would never have happened. Well, I don't know if she's really, really. I mean, she hasn't really She's like well above the title.
1: Movie she is. Stars. She is. Well, yeah, but I mean she hasn't listen, I I'm all about Ashley Judd. I love her. But there was that series of movies that I was referring to as the subgenre of Judd movies, where it was like her <laughs> trying to right a wrong, and then Morgan Freeman was somewhere in the background. <laughs> I, I'm gonna mentor you from over here. Now take 20 steps
0: to the left, <laughs> and the light switch will be in front of you. <laughs> 20 steps. That's the best Morgan Freeman I've ever done. (laughs) That's pretty good. Thank you. I'm going to put on a penguin
1: outfit, and you just narrate me, and I'll just walk (laughs) back and forth across (laughs) your dressing room. (laughs) We're in your dressing room now, which is loaded with amazing... These are, I see, recreations of the Haunted Mansion from Disneyland.
0: Indeed, the the stretching portraits. The stretching portraits. And Uh, some original um, magician lithographs. Benevol, George, and Thurston. Who is your favorite magician?
1: Living? Living or dead? Ooh, Good question. I mean, who is who is generally considered to be like that
0: guy is the greatest magician? Is it Houdini or is it someone that we wouldn't? That I don't think Houdini was the greatest magician. He was probably one of the best showmen mm-hmm. because what Houdini was able to do in a in an era that didn't have any kind of uh, media uh, is is gather crowds. So he would do stunts, you know, amazingly impressive stunts handcuffed on a bridge, jump, you know, thrown over with chains into freezing water and escape from it. Well, that would. You know, There was no internet, there was no television So he was was 1930's jackass (laughs) Actually that's absolutely true That's exactly what he was But it was very classy right because everyone wore the hats And the dresses and everything when they went around So he would get crowds of thousands around To watch these stunts And then that word of mouth would cause everyone In the town and other towns to come And see his shows and make him very popular So hanging upside down in a straight jacket Over the show, over the theater I mean it would fill the streets And then the people would, would, would file in and funnel and see his show but I don't know that he was necessarily the best showman I think Thurston was one of the best I loved that time you know the turn of the century maybe a seven or eight years He must have loved The Prestige loved The Prestige <laughs> but I read the book I thought that that was like the greatest idea for a movie but could never be made because it was a period movie about magicians in time travel and Tesla right. it was, right. no one would make that movie but I loved it it was good
1: I guess I, I, I don't know what makes a good magician, like what, what is there I, when I see a good, good comedian I, I just kind of know like, oh that's a really good comedian, but is there an essential
0: quality of a magician that they need to have to be considered great? Hmm, it really just depends on the uh, subset really, if um, I think you have to have a, a great confidence and um, a, a, an innate skill uh, for misdirection, which I think folds into confidence, mm-hmm. Um, you have to be thinking a couple steps ahead of what's actually happening, and um, and have an appreciation for some sort of psychological um, trickery. Because magic doesn't happen when you're when when the magician says and now three two one you know Alakazam right. It's happened a few steps before then. So if you're looking at an illusionist, you know that guy has to. Has to carry himself uh, in a very grand way on stage. Copperfield does it terrifically well. Um, Lance Burton, all those those grand masters of illusion guys are great at it. But when you look at the cardsmen, those guys are unbelievable. There's a guy named Derek Delgadio that anyone who's listening to this should stop. Well, finish this and then <laughs> YouTube Derek Delgadio. He's probably the best card guy. He's of our age. Yeah. Unassuming looking guy He does shit Card wise That will Blow your mind hole And it And it's And it's just simple It's not Fancy Crazy cards Gimmicked cards I mean he just uses A regular deck And can do So many things with it He has video. He was just in Spain and he did this trick, and I, don't, I have no idea how it's done, and I know magic really well. It was in a, a Spanish talk show, and there was an audience and everything. And someone else, the guy, took all the cards and spread them all over the table and mixed them all up, and he put them back together. And then Derek could, uh, he would split the deck in, deck, deck in half, and the guy would choose whichever side he wanted, and he'd throw the, the other part over his shoulder. And then he'd take the next, now he's like got half a deck, and he'd split that in half and left or right. And it wasn't a magician's force where he'd say, right, okay, well then now we're going to keep the right okay, right? He okay. just would constantly be throwing, whichever one over his shoulder, down to six cards, boom, three, four cards, boom, down to two, one, you sure this one, boom, flipped over the card, and then he had already chosen that card from somewhere else. Oh, Jesus. No idea. No idea how he does his magic, and he's amazing. Are you president at of the, the, ma- the magic castle? You're president of the magic of castle, the time, right? I am, the magic. I am the president, yes, indeed. I I was private club. Have you been? I've been to the Magic Castle. Have you a been lot. recently? No, I I saw that there was a
1: fire there in the restaurant. There right, was, so on like Halloween. There's uh, so there's there seems to be a bit
0: of construction going on upstairs, but it's still business as usual downstairs. Correct. Yeah, we were we were. Um We were a a smaller version of the castle with the restaurant closed down for six or eight weeks. And that's back up now. The restaurant's doing great. The third floor, the kind of operations department, is uh, still under construction because that's where the fire actually started. But, yeah, that's a great experience. It wasn't someone doing a trick, was it? Like flash paper? No, it was a roofer. The roofing company was retarring and roofing. And some guy up on the roof had an open... A Torch Blowtorch Was heating the tar And someone else said We don't need no water Let the motherfucker burn (laughs) What? That's exactly what happened Were you there? Yeah (laughs) That's awesome (laughs) Uh, No the fire went Underneath the tar Underneath the roof Set the whole thing on fire I mean the building's so old Yeah yeah It is It's an old Victorian mansion But I'm trying to Turn it into um, Just a great experience From start to finish Right now I think It's got great magic Good food And um, it's still A little creaky but it's a private club for magicians, and a lot of them that are there. The Creek are kind is of good, old. though. I agree. It shouldn't be slick, but you know, Sleep No More in New York—that mm-hmm. immersive theater piece where every, everywhere you look, everything is in the same world and is yeah. exciting you know you enter the Magic Castle with a pass that you have to get from either a magician member or uh, requesting one you have to say a secret word into a, a door that uh, slides open and you go inside you're in a mansion you know so everything I think should be uniformly very good and so we're we're making staff changes and some uh, some things to make that ex- experience really good A. Word- Abrams reprimanded me at the night before the Oscars party this year because of, of that which I thought was super cool because I'm a huge J.J. What did he refer- And by the way, did you read his issue of, uh, uh, what was that magazine?
1: Huh. Uh... uh. J.J. J. Abrams Monthly? J.J. <laughs> J. Abrams
0: Boy, Whoa. where he's the centerfold pops out? You no, know, what's the cool techie uh, magazine? Wired. Wired. Yes. The J.J. J. Abrams issue of Wired was all about magic, and he had hidden messages and like uh, things that you could accomplish. It was all secret magical stuff, and he was the editor of that issue, super duper. Cool. Oh, I knew he was doing that, but for some reason I didn't... I didn't. It was like two years ago. It's okay. been a while. But I, every time I see him, I gush about it, because it was just great. There were hidden things all throughout it, and I still haven't solved half of them but He's, i was asking him about the castle and he said you know someone needs to come along and really dump some money into that and make it like a really great experience cuz you still have to you, you still have the dress code you have to wear a tie sure, like ladies and tie. have to wear uh ladies dresses yeah there's a strict dress code which i think should be enforced sure. cuz i think it adds to the um the mystery of it all but um then you also want dinner to be extraordinary and mm-hmm. you just want cool secret things abound, which I'm trying to make happen. One thing that one
1: thing that I would recommend is I think magicians should have to start dressing differently. I love magic. But there's this weird crossover between like some magicians and professional billiard players and I don't really you know it's like the old timey
0: like like gold rush kind of collar. All kinds there. You also get the guys that won't wear ties that'll just like have a studded collar like a laser beam collar <laughs> stud and you know they have every type. Where, where
1: can I get a laser beam collar I want a fucking laser beam collar come to the magic castle I have a friend who's, uh, <laughs> whose little kid saw an ad for laser hair removal and the kid goes why would anyone ever want to remove laser
0: hair oh, wow. <laughs> like "Oh, nice. the mind of the <laughs> child <laughs> I might join the magic castle you should we I have really... associate memberships and so I don't have to at I, magiccastle.com you can find out
1: more so if I just went to magiccastle.com spelled yeah. the traditional way that's right. Not M-A-G-I-C-K. That's no, Wiccan. No, That's porn. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different kind of castle. <laughs> I would love to go to the Magic Castle. I've seen some amazing close-up shows
0: there. You took, I saw your friend Ed Alonzo perform Ed there. Was fucking phenomenal. comedy magician. He's one of the best. He toured with Britney Spears. He sawed Britney Spears in thirds, nightly, in arenas around the world for a year and a half.
1: He should have finished the job, am I right? Two, Two three, three, four, four I are
0: talking arena. about? Uh, hey. He, uh, <laughs> <Belschport>.
1: <laughs> We need to make a t-shirt. He, I, I'll cut this out for, if this information is
0: supposed to get out, but he was going to do Michael Jackson's show, right? Was he? No, that's very... Okay. He was on board. They had a... Uh, Michael Jackson was, uh... Yeah. I'm trying to think of the exact illusion. He was there was a ball, a big sphere that he was going to hold in his hand. I think that was mirrored, and then he was going to, or, or lights were in it, and he was going to raise it up, and it was going to float over the audience and around. And he had all these magic stuff. Michael Jackson was a big magic aficionado, and he was going to do that big London tour for him, that big London show. The big like... show when he when he passed away before, and Ed was like, Ed was there at the Staples Center with Kenny Ortega and all those guys when they all got the word. Oh my yeah, because Ed. there was a.
1: I think you were having a party at your old house, and we were talking to Ed, and he was kind of explaining the experience mm. of like being brought in to meet Michael in this yeah. big room, and Michael was just sitting there alone, just kind of frail. And yeah.
0: Here's my ideas. Yeah. I'm gonna have an I'm gonna have an outfit, and it's gonna be the lights are gonna shoot from my laser lights are gonna shoot from my outfit.
1: Yeah, I had a whole thing, and Ed would just nod and go, "Great, I'll make it happen." He's well, good like that. That's it's it's interesting to think of a magician not just as a performer, but also as. Um, like an architect. Hmm. Where you where, where someone like Ed gets hired to like, we need you to build
0: this thing that's going to be magical. But in effect, he's an architect. For sure. Well, that's my favorite part of magic. I'm less interested in the people that can do the origami illusion that mm-hmm. David Copperfield did in 1985. Great trick. You know, big box. Girl gets in it. It gets, like an origami box, gets shortened and, and gets smaller and smaller until it's a tiny little box and the sword gets put in the middle of it and then opens back up and she's in a different outfit. It's a fine illusion. You can buy it and you can do it and it's great. But it's the people that design illusions similar to that. You know, Ed's always recreating his act and coming up with new shit and like building it himself and coming up with ideas of how can we do a new levitation? What if we put this and this together instead of this and that together and made a new levitation? I love that stuff. So it's very techy it's very techie, yeah. All of it is, I think. I mean, I think mentalism stuff, that's a great. That's a whole other world of magic, too. That's almost akin to the dumbasses that claim they can read minds, you know. Right. It's all. Um, supposing things and saying generalities that cause people to spark to one of the many things that you say and then based on their expressions and what they spark to you know how to steer a conversation into yes I can speak to your dead brother does it it, did it ruin any part of it since you know so much of
1: how it works I guess it it didn't because you like the tech aspect of it but I always see that I always see like the the, the, not the secret but the members only library Mm. in the bottom of the magic castle where I assume all the dark magic lives (laughs) but just knowing that you can go in there and look up tricks and stuff You know, and then it just sort of takes away the fun illusion part. Do you
0: just go, "Oh, that's all that is"? Oh, I marvel more at uh, the ingenuity than I do uh, about um, being blown away and needing to know how it's done. Okay. So I guess yeah, I've lost a little of the of the youthful, uh, wide eyed innocence enthusiasm. I'm like, "Oh, that's clever." (laughs) 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 I'm that sad guy at a at a comedy club that's like, "That's funny." I get it. I see what you did. I don't clap, I don't laugh. I just go, that's funny. <laughs> that's I funny. express my
1: emotions with words. Uh, do, do you perform magic ever publicly?
0: Mm, only on talk shows. I'm a talk show magician. So you wouldn't want to do a week at the castle? You know, I would want to do a week at the castle, but i want it to be like a more of a theatrical theater piece. So i do something in the parlor, which is there's middle size side space that's highly raked and a little more Victorian style, but I want to do, like, a character doing a thing as opposed to NPH doing, you know, the cups and balls. Uh, insert a joke.
1: Uh, Belsport, is there a... <laughs> with comment, When you see a comedian bomb, it's horrible, and I feel horrible because I'm empathic about it because mm-hmm. I know what it feels like, but to see a trick go wrong
0: has got that has to like you just, just kind of feel it annoying, your, your guts really yeah cuz magicians should never have tricks go wrong i mean card magicians can because a lot of times a lot of the great card magicians will do a trick where there could be multiple outcomes mm-hmm. and that has a lot of risk to it because they're not forcing you to pick one card they're literally having you pick any card and then figuring out how to get to it um and sometimes they're wrong in which case they have to have outs you know where they can still recover but if you're an illusionist and you're on stage doing trick everything should be well thought out well rehearsed what's
1: the worst you don't have to say who but what's the worst trick you've ever seen go wrong
0: oh i will tell who chris angel (laughs) we were enthusiasm oh it was chris angel um yeah, don't get me started. Chris Angel was performing in the basement of the WWF restaurant in think, Times Square. I think every profession needs a Dane Cook. And he <laughs> was—I like Dane Cook. I saw him early on performing at the uh, in, in uh, up on the Sunset Strip with for tiny little audiences. I'll probably cut that out because I, I, I feel bad capping on people. <laughs> We were in the basement of the WWF restaurant in Times Square watching this new, like, WWF magician named Chris Angel who looked like he was a big, roidy kind of WWF guy. Right. But he was a magician, and he had some, like, crazy stuff. And so we're in the audience, and his final illusion is supposed to be... uh, It's called um, the metamorphosis. What happens is there's a uh, wooden box and... uh, either the magician or the assistant. Usually the assistant gets tied up, handcuffed, and then inside a bag, the bag's tied, she gets inside the box, the box gets all locked up, the magician stands on top, you've probably seen it, with a cape, throws the cape, and then the cape the drops, and now there's the assistant there, and the magician's gone. And then she unlocks the box, inside is a is a bag, unties the bag, inside the magician, is now handcuffed. Well, Chris's angle was that all of this would happen with no... Uh, curtain to reveal to do the switch Uh, CO2 would happen
1: (laughs) CO2 (laughs) would happen and then he
0: would not be there but the assistant (laughs) was there well that all happens but then his big ending apparently was that uh, then she was supposed to open up the box and he was going to levitate out this was the big uh, finale that he levitates out of the box and everyone's blown away So we're all in the round, kind of watching this thing, and they're doing it, and they're kind of talking to each other, we're not quite sure why, what's happening, then they do the switch, CO2, there's the assistant, Chris isn't there anymore, the audience applauds, she's unlocking the box, she opens it up, kind of looking in, kind of talking, not sure, something happened that the levitation wasn't working. But that was the end of the show, and he was stuck in the box and couldn't get out. <laughs> and so we just kind of sat there for a, a too many minutes, and they had to slowly close the fire curtain around the audience. You hear the creak of And the... say, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the show. Uh. And poor Chris had to stay inside the box And isn't he left. still in a box after all You know, I, I don't need the ire of that one, but... Uh, I'll refrain from commenting. <laughs> That's a fucking blubber. <laughs> <laughs> he has he he's been less than uh, chivalrous multiple times to people that I know. Oh really? That's too bad. But at least his show in Vegas Is grew. Um, oh, yeah. uh, at least he's you, doing a show in Vegas. Would right? you ever
1: perform in Would you ever perform in Vegas? I find
0: Vegas to be like a weird place to perform. I kind of love Vegas. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yes, I'd want to do a show there for six weeks and then leave. Right? You wouldn't want to do a show for three years. No. It's so I, fun to see O, but then you think, "Oh, those those cats are doing that same exact water show every twice a night, every single night, every single day." That's what I couldn't for years.
1: That's what I couldn't get behind. Oh, an angel got its wings. That's what I I could never. Uh, when I think about Broadway. You know what, what? I was doing, Rock of Ages, and they said, "Oh, you go. Do you want to do Rock of Ages off Broadway like before it got huge?" I was like, "Yeah, I can't. Dude, I wouldn't even imagine doing the same show like eight or ten times a week." I mean, stand up is one thing. Cause you,
0: it, you did, uh, you did a big Broadway show. You no, tour with a big.
1: Broadway No, I didn't tour really with 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 that show. I just I did it a little bit, but not not a lot. And it felt it, it like, but it feels weird to do this. Pinball Wizard. Oh yeah, I was I was I was in. A... No, I didn't tour with Pinball Wizard.
0: Why did you do that? I don't know. What are did we talking... Didn't you do, uh. Tommy? Yeah. No. Really? Never. I thought when Lisa Raffel and you were dating, you were in Tommy. I
1: don't think so. Oh. I must have been fucked up for like a year. <laughs> oh my god, I was a. Ama- Maybe it was That a would explain guy. the Tony Award.
0: Nice. That's a good. <laughs> I thought that you did Tommy. I never did oh, Tommy. Oh well, I've had great respect for you for no oh, reason. Oh, shit. I mean, yes, I was amazing. I'm
1: a pinball <laughs> wizard. I got to have How no is- eyes. And yeah. can't hear a thing, but I play the pinball. That's why you didn't get the job. Yep, that's why I didn't. I'm get sorry it. about that. No, and Margaret and I are still very close. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did not. I was not in Tommy. Well, but you if- were great in uh, in the show when it was there. In not Tommy. And you saw Rock Ages. I did. I saw it in L.A. I didn't know you saw it in L.A. Yeah, that was with. um... But with what's his name? The other
1: half of uh, Kyle Gass. Kyle Gass. Yeah, but but the idea is because uh, the idea of doing the same show like eight times a week, not, you know, ten times a week, sometimes afternoon shows,
0: and you can't deviate. You just have to do the same. I think show. that would be fun. I have opinions about that. I think it would be fun to do that if you were originating a role in a show. Mm hmm. Because I've I've filled in. I got to do Cabaret on the big Broadway for six or seven months, and it was a fantastic experience. But I was, you know, the seventh MC <laughs> replacement. So the audiences that we were performing to were, were just tourists. So the eight shows a week was a bit more of a grind because you weren't like the hot show. You weren't like the must-see ticket. Yeah. So I think it would be even more weird to do that in Vegas because that just doesn't feel like it would have... sure the excitement that it would have. You know what I mean? I'd love to do a big show in New York again, but to originate a show where you were doing it, like everyone was trying to get a ticket, it was a hard ticket to get. That would be fun. Then it would be worth it to do eight shows a week, because it was like, if you were doing Book of Mormon, right? you'd feel like, even though you're totally repeating yourself every single show, people are loving it, clamoring to get into it. That would be fun. But being in Mamma Mia eight shows a week, right? I think would be a little more exhausting, because <laughs> Mama Mia! is a fun show, and I'm sure the people that are seeing it now are still enjoying it, but it's probably not quite as um, kinetic and new as it once was. This is the perfect accidental
1: uh, segue into the fact that you were able to take the Tony Awards huh. and and make it a very kind of fun, personal show. Hmm. Like, it really... It, it, it feels like... A show that doesn't take itself too seriously, that kind of is aware of, of what it is and has fun, mm. and
0: yet they still can't seem to crack that code in some of the bigger, some of the bigger award shows. Well, I think the Tonys are perfect for television. I, I'm just a big fan of The Night, because um, you have a lot of, of drawbacks on an award show, Normally, Mm -hmm. you have to have performances that people want to watch, separate Mm -hmm. from the awards that are given out. And most often, in the Oscars and the Emmys and stuff, those performances are made and created just for that one night, which causes a lot of potential problems. If the set breaks down, if the dancers have to learn stuff, the the featured performing cast has to learn it all. It has to be done immediately, right then. Billy Crystal gets in blackface. I mean, anything that could go wrong. (laughs) Did that happen? Well, he did a Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, And then you also have people that are accepting awards and handing out awards that generally aren't used to being in front of a live audience. Like the Oscars and the Emmys, most of the people that are there are only performing to their small crew Mm -hmm. in their set in Valencia that's super closed off, right? So they're not used to doing anything in front of a thousand people or wherever, Nokia. Yeah. The Tonys are the opposite of that. Like, you have all of these uh, trump cards already. Every performance is going to be done by people who do that exact performance eight times a week super amazingly well. So you get performance after performance of just amazing, you know, songs of amazing numbers. (laughs) They didn't just start learning it four days before the show. (laughs) They also love being on TV because that's a giant boost for them, box office-wise and recognition-wise. They're, you know, they're dancing their faces off eight times a week, killing it, going to physical therapy all the time and they're performing to 800, 900 people a night and that's it. I mean, the Tonys in one shot gets... You know, six million people get to watch them. That's a big deal for them. So their enthusiasm is up. Plus the people who are winning speeches, uh, winning awards and making speeches and presenting are used to being on stage. So their speeches are more authentic. They're more genuine. They're not as nervous. They're super excited to have the cameras there. They're not jaded, you know, potentially bitter actors that are like, oh, I'm over the award show circuit. They're like really happy to be there. So you get a good vibe. You get great performances. And you get great speeches. So I think it's a really fun night. And the majority of America doesn't get to go to Broadway and spend 150 bucks a ticket to see, uh, you know, a show that they're not sure uh, exists. I
1: like that it's a, it's a subtle shift in the psychology of how they approach their craft. Um, uh, in the 1990s, uh, I dated a girl who was study studied for a summer at the British uh, at BAFTA, the mm-hmm. British Academy, for, or not BAFTA, uh, BADA, British Academy for the Dramatic Arts. BAFTA is the awards. Nice. Um, and so she had this. Uh, she had a, a, a teacher. That I think Oh it was um, Oh my god Uh, Fiona Shaw Shaw. Great Fiona Shaw Like taught Taught them For you know Like a couple classes And something she said I never, ever forgot, just as a comedian, but one of the one of the things she gave to the kids when they were trying to, you know, do scenes in class and they couldn't kind of let go, I think she said to them, you have to rush to embarrassment. You have to rush to it. Nice. Like, never it, – it just take away your fear. Nice. And I think that's a subtle psychological difference between the theater actors who know, like, oh, you can rush to embarrassment and it's okay – but the TV actors or the film actors are like, oh, I don't want to look stupid. Oh my God, I'm so afraid of looking weird, crazy. You know,
0: it's true. It's true. The the the, the process of theater is, you know, you rehearse in a closed off space and you can flop sweat and, and try stuff and it all fails, but there's no audience and then you have this really wild preview period where you're constantly putting changes in, you have no idea what the reaction will be. And before it, you know, finally opens, by the time it opens, yeah, you've you've tried, you've rushed to embarrassment a lot, and you've kind of figured out why it works and what's you know what is the best choice, which is which is a great thing. And film actors get none of that, right? They trust an editor. To uh, to edit a performance together oh, Even right. if they do an amazing performance At the end of the day you're not going to hold on that one shot For the whole performance It's not one take <laughs> Right, it's 50,000 takes put together But I still find it weird when you watch the Oscars How droll actors read the teleprompters <laughs>
1: Teleprompter is a is a specific uh, is a specific skill set, and you assume that everyone can do it because you're like, well, everyone's you know these these people are they know how to read scripts. There's not, teleprompter is a very specific animal, and, and I, don't, I, mean,
0: don't get, I and I'm not calling him out, but Jake Gyllenhaal, I've seen him on the award shows, uh, announcing the nominees for whatever, and it's like the dude didn't even know he was supposed to have been there doing it. Like he's reading it very dry. But with no, and I think, you you, someone in your camp has approved this because they send you the material of here's what we would like you to say here's the joke what do you Mm -hmm. think of it you have to approve it by a certain day it gets back so you must have read it you're looking at it because it's in a giant teleprompter right so assuming that you know you can see it then. And then they still read it very dry, like, I hate being there. So I don't know if it's nerves. I would assume not. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. No, I'll tell you and what. And he does theater. Like, he's a good guy. And yet, maybe it's just... I'll tell you what I think it the is. The movie world. The Golden Globes is the same way. That people come out, and they read things like they hate being there, and that <laughs> they don't understand why, why they're having to read this. I and, think they're uncomfortable.
1: I think why? I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, and, and let's assume that they're not shitting on the thing that they're doing, even though they, a lot of them probably are. Because I think... Because I think some there's a reason some people are actors and not hosts or stand-up comedians, and that's they don't have personalities of their own. You can give them a character, and they can get lost in that character. But if you talk to them one-on-one, it's nothing. Like they just they're not they don't know who they are or they don't have personalities of their own. I think a lot of them are just fucking boring.
0: I (laughs) honestly, well, I don't maybe. I mean. I don't want to imply that I think that about Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, I hung out with the guy, and he's super lovely and everything. I, ju- I think maybe that's just a nerve-wracking experience. Maybe that's it, I too. think being out there, deer in headlights, with all of like your peers and directors and producers in front of you kind of renders you still, maybe. How do you have the host gene? Because you have both. You have both the genes. I've loved the circus. You know, we're talking about magic and, and, and theater and all that stuff. So I, I really liked... Doug Henning's magic specials every year. You know, I really liked the live when the circus would come to town. I'd love to see it. So I've always enjoyed hosting game nights and being like the ringmaster of said circus. So uh, for me, the spontaneity of the live venue is exciting. Um, Standing in the wings you know, with Hayden Panettiere about to walk out and, you know, do a little banter back and forth I think is kind of cool. So I think that, uh, I think that all of that is is a thrill, and when you then get to be the actual ringmaster, it's an even bigger thrill because then the responsibility falls on you. When you're a presenter at the Emmys or the Grammys, it's great because you get a good seat and you get to be there and you get to do a little segment and you're and you're out. But when you're hosting the thing, then it's like responsibility is on you. If you're running long, you, you have to cut a bit. You know, if if the if the guy we did the first time I hosted the Tonys was a crazy here, that was the year that that uh, Brett Michaels... Oh, hit his face on the thing. ...who didn't come to rehearsal when the rest of the band did and who was told explicitly, as soon as you're done... Don't run into the thing! ...turn around and walk backwards because a set piece is coming down in front of you. Decide, he decided to, you know, milk it for another five or six seconds, turned around, and was almost beheaded by the set piece that <laughs> I came think that down. was for Rock of Ages, actually. I think it was. I... Gasped as did everyone, and, and I'm immediately backstage about to do m- my entrance and my, you know, f- m- wacky monologue, and all I think is that he's gotten his skull crushed oh, by Jesus the set Christ. piece, because this is at Radio City Music Hall. These, you know, you can't say... Stop the set piece from coming down because it's much I mean it's giant and super heavy and on on its way down so I think he's dead (laughs) oh Jesus Christ (laughs) and I'm backstage and I'm about to have to go on stage and start the show that's live and I'm thinking, my mind is now worrying, and we've just begun, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? How do we if get Brett Michaels into the In Memoriam segment? T- <laughs> no, it just idea. happened. No, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I may have to come out and say, ladies and gentlemen, there's been a, a you know, something terrible has just happened, we're going to go to commercial, we'll be right back. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm just shouting to the side, is he alright? Is he okay? Is he alright? And no one knows what's going on, because the number's still happening, you know? What? they, The people are still on stage singing. So they, 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 they I found out that he was alright Which was great So as soon as I know he's okay I'm thinking Now what do I do Do I acknowledge it Or do I just pretend Like it didn't happen And we kind of Deal with it as an afterthought But that didn't seem right Mm -hmm. Because I think Everyone saw it happen So then I thought Maybe it would be Would it be good to say That takes headbanging To a whole different level That was sort of In my my mind To like ease You know If I know he's okay Then I should say something To like move past Still a funny joke Even if he wasn't I gotta be honest No not at all funny If he wasn't okay But I He was okay So I said the joke And we moved on It was good Didn't know he would do All the suing After the fact Sure Then it's not funny Because he didn't go that. To fucking rehearsal Well he didn't go To rehearsal But um well, You didn't seem But that's to... for me Is fun You know Because then It's not not fun That that happened But I mean that uh, That's how my mind works Is like is, is the spontaneity Of something Potentially going wrong And how to acknowledge it You know if, if someone says A drunken Speech That's slurry Then I get The opportunity To come out And comment on it As sure. the host Which is super great Frank Langella came out um, and gave a off-script. He was presenting an award to someone. He talked for, like, four or five minutes, which in... A long time. ...is ages in an award show, because you really want to be, like, a minute over, minute and a half over. He did it in early on, so from the beginning, we were about five and a half minutes long, which, for the Tonys, it's not the Oscars. You can't just run long. Sure. They want it to end right on. So for the rest of the show, we're like... Please, I hope the winner's not there. <laughs> Please, I hope they make it short. And then they didn't. You know, we were like five minutes over for a long time, and I had to, you know, I had to sing a final song, and I didn't want that to get cut. So we're we're going through this last Tony's where I was, you know, powering through. You know, how long are we? How short are we? Should, we had a whole bit, and I was like, screw it. Well, does they cut the bit? I'll just come out and introduce. We'll save forty seconds. Great. Forty. When someone wins and they make a little short acceptance speech, we're all backstage like, yes, we can. We tack off twenty-seven seconds. So that's fun. It's like a little bit of risk. Good save on the poor Brooke Shields thing, by the way, at the last Tony's. Well, that was really random, too. Yeah, the Brooke Shields thing was crazy. That whole, this last year's Tony, I was very proud of, because a lot of those things we had to keep very under wraps, because the theater world talks a lot. Michael Riedel of The Post talks a lot about the Tony's, and they'll say things like, they offered it to some, you know, to Daniel Radcliffe, and he turned it down. So, he, and that never happened. Right. So now we're there on tilt, saying, "Why does Riedel think that we offered it to Radcliffe when we didn't at all?" So I was going to do this opening number called "Not Just for Gays" anymore. I remember this. Right. I remember this. I, you, I saw you. I saw that it was before,
1: a, and it was it was really
0: funny. You you sent it to me and Janet. It was funny, and it was a little like. You know, on the on the line of like, is this too far or not? We weren't sure, right? But we thought, well, this is the year that uh, that the Book of Mormon, which is pretty hardcore with content, so maybe that this would be this would play okay. But everyone was worried about the number, so much so that we made sh- we had to come up with dummy lyrics because it was all pre-recorded, but we had to pre-record it with dummy lyrics. That was like, it's not. Um, it's not just for us. And I don't even know what the what the dummy lyrics were, but David Jabberbaum, who wrote this amazing thing, had to come up with a whole set of false lyrics that we had to, all the dancers had to sign confidentiality things, so that if, because if it got back to Riedel, that we were doing, and not just for gays anymore, and he published it before the number, they were going to yank the number. Oh, shit. So we were all, like, rehearsing under wraps. I had a number with Hugh Jackman that we were rehearsing in private, in secret, and we had to clear the house when we were rehearsing the number, so that the Jackman, because we really wanted the show to be filled with surprises and it worked out great and 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 so the number went off without a plum. i got to say the word sodomy (laughs) they said i couldn't say sodomy they said of all that thing you can't say sodomy uh which i thought was weird because the the line was um um, come in and be inspired there's no sodomy required (laughs) which sodomy is not a Bad word Right And in that context It's like there's no Sodomy required So it seems like We're not It's different than Requiring it Exactly Yeah. That I could see That's a whole Different they issue They said no You have to say Same sex love Required Come in and be inspired There's no same sex love Required Fucked up meter That's not sloppy. funny Yeah no Sodomy so I'm thinking th- to myself Like well I know it says same sex love on the on the prompter but I, I could just say sodomy <laughs> <laughs> so I just said sodomy because I thought it was better and then I ran off stage and said to the you know Jack our CBS and I was like I'm sorry I didn't mean to say sodomy I'm so sorry I just slipped out it just slipped out but it was better that way I'm glad I said it <laughs> the sodomy just slipped out and then the Hugh Jackman thing we did on in, uh, Secret and that was a cool thing and then I had the rap at the end the
1: rap at the end was amazing I emailed you about that and said how the fuck did you Glenn
0: Miguel Miranda um Who's unbelievable um, in *The Heights*? You mm-hmm. know, the musical. That was him. He won the Tony for multiple Tonys for that. He was backstage the whole time, and we had all these, uh, you know, like a Choose Your Own Adventure book. We had all these uh, suppositions. If if so and so wins, then we'll, we'll we'll fold in this little verse, and if this sweeps, we'll add we'll go in this direction. And then throughout the show, I'd run down in the basement. What do you got? And he'd, he'd he'd like. Try stuff, and I'd say, "Great, I love that. I don't like that." And I run back up and keep doing the show. I've hosted some pretty hard shows before, but
1: the idea of like at just from you talk about being being impressed by technical achievements and magic. Hmm. That was a technical achievement in hosting that still fucking blows my mind. Of like, was- how are you hosting the Tonys? It's live. Yeah. you're hosting the Tonys. There's musical numbers. You have to keep the show running. Still, fig- still be present in the show, and then run down and fucking write a song that is ca- that is the entire show, right. and then hit it. Hit the
0: rap in the meter. That was hard. The meter was hard. <laughs> the meter was hard because I'm super white and don't rap a lot. But I was we like, and, it was uh, like watching a tightrope act. Like, do a fall? We italicized certain. Um, syllables within within the thing because he didn't want it to be simple meter. Mm-hmm. If you watch it, it's not... Da-da-na-na-na-na-na. But he would want to be like lots of crazy and I didn't know how to do that really. So we italicized certain things and went through it. But yeah, that was just... I crossed my fingers and ran out there and looked at that prompter and said no please dear god don't fuck this up and it was great And i dropped the mic it was one of my favorite moments i dropped the mic at the end um go see a motherfucking broadway show i dropped the mic and i walk and lynn's like jumping up and down and we (laughs) hopped off stage it was a good night the tony's were rocked do you do you
1: have a especially were you nervous when you hosted the emmys you didn't seem nervous
0: no, I thought the Emmys was... The Emmys is its own beast because I, I feel like that's a bunch of people that don't like each other in the audience. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, like the Desperate Housewives clique is there. Right. And they're sitting next to a sitcom group or the reality show and they don't want to be associated with. And so it's all these little bubbles of people there. you got the 30 Rock gang and then you got the Daily Show people. And it's like no one... It's, it's not, not communal. Like, not very communal. And so I felt like my job there was to try and be the host of a dinner party more and be more inclusive and, like, make sure that we're all... I didn't want to do jokes at people, but I wanted to have everyone feel like we're having a good night. Isn't this a fun night? So that was more... I I opted to be out on a lectern, standing there the whole time. I didn't like the voice of God doing a lot of intros. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't feel like I needed costume changes. I kind of wanted to be, like, old-school Johnny Carson, like, just out there. Doing little bits all the time, and so that worked out. That worked out well, but that was a different animal. That one's a hard one because, as I spoke about before, you you don't have a lot of performances at the Emmys, and you have to give out I think twenty seven awards in three hours, which is just a lot. And so that was the year we broke it. We broke it up by. Genre, which I think was helpful, because mm-hmm. before it was so random. You'd have writing on a mini series followed by supporting actor in a drama followed by m- best music in a long form. It was you just had no idea what was coming up next. But to know that this is the now we're at the drama chunk, yeah, and we're going to give out supporting actor, actress, best actor, actress. You know, all of the directing awards in that genre, and then move to comedy. I think kind of helped the night along. That was Don Misher's call. He's good. It's fun, the one-offs I find them very stressful And very, like, charged As you can see we're talking about it so much And yet, incredibly inconsequential Like, we all work our asses off The writers, we're trying to beat jokes We're trying to come up with quips We're trying to do whatever And and then the next morning, they just talk about who won the awards Right (laughs) That's it Mad men swept Or they just fucking pick it apart Well, they always pick it apart You can't worry about that They'll always pick it apart but even within that, you know, the Oscars this year, you know, they uh, there was so much build up as to how's how's Billy going to do, yeah. how's the show going to be, and then at the end of the day, they talk about the artist won five awards and right. Jean Dujardin won an award, and that was the show. Yeah. <laughs> like it kind of, you, it's so much build up, and then it happens, and then it's done, and then it's immediately on to the next award. So it's a, it's it's an oddly thankless and yet incredibly exciting
1: job. I have a couple more points that I want to that in my head I want to hit with you that I would not. This would not be the Nerds podcast if I did not ask you about Doctor Horrible. Nice. And I like Doctor Horrible. What a fucking insane group of you know Joss, Felicia,
0: you, Fillion. Yup. Felicia's got her pulse on the on the technological world. She is the pulse. I literally think she is the pulse. When yeah. we were when we were at maybe Comic Con. Yeah when they were pr- just a, a showing midnight showings of Dr. Horrible like before he come out right after to come out she's like there's this new thing everyone's, y- you're going to love it it's called twitter i'm not kidding <laughs> we're like what the fuck is twitter she's like it's great you can like say hey i'm on my way to dinner and you can only you can only do a so, you know like a limited number of characters and then anyone who wants to you know see where you're going can see that you've gone there and i'm like What the fuck? What's the point is that? It'll never catch up. I don't want to tell people like, and now I'm feeling this way right right now. Like that's, I don't even get it. That was Twitter. Yep. Yeah, yeah. She's Twitter's a big thing now. Yeah, it's a pretty big thing. So whatever Felicia Day says to do, everyone who's listening, do it. She's she's invest fan- in it. She's fantastic. She's amazing. Nathan Fillion's great. Joss Whedon is god. Wait till Avengers comes out. I've I've already Have uh, you seen it. I've not seen it. I just I saw the most recent trailer yeah, and I, I shit my pants a little bit. What I heard from someone who saw it is that um, why they think it's going to be so successful is because since it's Joss, all of the we're sitting around a table scenes. Between all the big action scenes, are equally as riveting and awesome as yep. the action scenes because it's Joss, which makes perfect sense because you got all these guys. Which normally that's the the saggy part right. of the movie is the the chuffa in between the big action scenes. But it's Joss, so you're going to get great movie all along. Did Did you know Joss before, Doctor Horn? Sort of. Um, um, my manager. Well. My manager represented Sarah Michelle Gellar for a while, mm-hmm. so I knew of him through Buffy. Um, and then I got to go to a couple of his Shakespeare readings that he did at his house, and I was sort of a fan from afar. I auditioned and almost got to be on um, Firefly. Oh, my God. That, that would have been cool. fun. Um, and then we just kind of both said, oh, I'd love to work with... We should work together sometime. But the you know, fuck you said that to Jack yeah. Sweden, You don't think that's actually going to happen. And then uh, the rider strike was happening, and I was arrived into New York. I was on a taxi cab, in a taxi cab. I was on it for a minute, and the driver was like, <laughs> Riding get the fuck off get car. Out. get inside. Inside the car. And then I got a call. It was Joss, and he was like, I'm going to do this um, three-part Internet musical about supervillains <laughs> called Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Would you be Dr. Horrible? And I said, well, of course I would love to do that. And it was super gorilla and super amazing. And from the moment I heard that, I was like on board and loved it. And every chapter, getting the files of, of Jed, his brother, singing the songs, they were amazing songs. Like, I loved those songs. I listened to them constantly. And then we got to go and record them. And then I had to learn my own voice recording them for the lip sync. And then we got to film it. And it was just crazy and awesome at every turn. And then we got to watch it happen. We got to watch it, and then we got to watch it happen. We got to watch it be the twelve oh one, the first one came out, and you got to like read on iTunes what people's comments were, and then a week later, two came out. It was like it was the best. really,
1: you know, Doctor Horrible was really important because, you know, what what digital, um, what, what this kind of new media needs are legitimate people saying, hey, this is a real. This is a real form of expression, and this is you know. So that was that. Even though it's only been a few years, like Dr. Horrible was was still kind of on the forefront of of actual famous people just doing things
0: because they're fun and putting them on the internet. Yeah, and then seeing you know seeing uh, a a ton of people respond so positively to it. Yeah, I think they're airing it on uh, network television soon. Network? Yes, I got an email saying that Dr. Horrible's going to be airing on, on some network, and are we all okay with that? And oh it's just God. kind of fantastic that it, that it turns into that. <laughs> you know, we won an Emmy. They won an Emmy right. for Dr. Horrible's sing-long blog, and it was never on TV. <sighs> so that's kind of rad. But I just think it holds up really well. I mean, I'm just proud of it. It's I feel like it's a little shop of horrors-ish mm-hmm. in that way that I think it'll last and people will do little interesting productions of it or midnight screenings of it in character just, the songs are great
1: it also made me feel not crazy to ask you if you wanted to do something for the Nerdist channel the YouTube channel that we're launching because I was like oh well he did Dr. Horrible he understands this world Like he understands that you know yeah, that nice you can to. just do stuff for fun let's do something with puppets we're going to do something with puppets did you ever meet Jim Henson?
0: I, I rode on an airplane with Jim Henson to, uh, I think, from L.A. to Albuquerque. And I was so overwhelmed um, that I didn't I didn't uh, approach him. But I saw him across the aisle. I mean, I'm looking. I see in your dressing room right now there's a Life magazine with
1: Kermit on the cover um, from when Jim passed away. Mm-hmm. There's a Kermit and Jim
0: picture of him in a tuxedo. And then uh, a Kermit, an autographed Kermit. Yeah, I'm a big... I'm a big fan of the way he thinks or thought. I really like, um, from in your core, to be wanting to entertain and to be as creative as possible in the way that you can accomplish that. And so Disney and Henson are kind of my two, uh, the two people I look to. I just think puppetry is unbelievable. The fact that you can take something that's felt and, and, you know magic markers and feathers and put them together and make an expressive entity that can amuse and teach. I mean, I grew up with Sesame Street in the perfect days of it when they were still doing it all, and Grover and Ernie and Bert and the whole thing. I just think it was just amazing. What an amazing way to learn things. Because they also, winking at the fact that they were guys, you know, crouching down doing the thing. It wasn't. They were pretending to be Teletubbies or something. Yeah. It, was, it was clearly they were puppets. I just think his sense of humor was spot on. So. And I love it. Yeah, uh, Brian Henson's like becoming a friend. He's
1: great. Puppeteering is fucking hard. Like when you go see, like they, they, they were doing those um, puppet up shows, the, yeah. the Henson Company, for a long time. There's these live, improv, kind of filthy puppet shows but so you would see the actors on stage and they would pull puppets off the wall and then they would have a camera that they would play to so you could see on the monitors if you just wanted to see puppets and you see these poor people like crouch down on their hands and knees like with their arm up in the air like how do they yeah they're they're simultaneously doing that and also having to come up with hilarious improv creating scoliosis while acting to the camera (laughs) with their hands and And, bringing these puppets to life and destroying fucking crushing loved it loved it well, we should do something with them. Well, soon. we we will. Yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to to getting that going. But I also, um, I know we're at about an hour fifteen, so I don't want to take up any more of your time. But um,
0: this was amazing. Thank you so much for. Wait, you said you had something else you wanted to talk about. You said I, I'd be remiss to talk about Doctor Horrible, and what is it? I think it might have just been about puppets. Well, let's fucking talk more about puppets. Do you you have a you have a bunch of puppets? You have a you have a room that's sort of like a magic museum. Do you still have that? I do. It's hidden behind a poster that you have to enter. Oh, that's fucking a secret door. (laughs) What? (laughs) Too much time on my hands. Well, let's put some puppets on those hands. Right? Do you... I have a puppet workshop in my garage. I haven't built any puppets yet, but I'm... I love... I'm touring the... I've gotten to tour the Henson Puppeteer Mm -hmm. stations. Yep. And see, like, what they do. And it's... They're just the coolest. I'm obsessed with, like the little shelves and you pull on the shelves and there's all different eyes eyes little yeah. noses little it, hair I just think that's fantastic it's so, like a it's almost like a science museum in a weird sort of way where you're like, you're, you look at fossils right. or you look at you know and I look, I like to look at which uh, um, blades they use to cut the foam what foam they use what adhesive they use to attach I just I love that stuff so much and now that I have twin kids who are you know about to be a year and a half um, they're gonna love puppets so I'll be able to actually make puppets, not because I'm a nerd, but because I'm trying to amuse my children.
1: So well, I think a little from circle. column A, a little from column B, but that's good, because you want those kids. I mean, you know, when I, I remember when you, when I first found out, like, oh, Neil and David are gonna, you know, they're gonna have they're gonna have babies, or they're gonna have yep. a baby, or they're gonna have babies. That's right. One, one, one baby has Neil's sperm, and one baby has David's sperm. Correct. Correct. Amundo. Um, but they were still twins. Indeed, same yep. egg. Um, same eggs, from the same egg donor. Did you know that was you must have you planned? Did it all work out the way you wanted it to, uh, or was well, it an any, accident? Any, like oh, both, way, of them,
0: both of them worked. Anyway, would have been what we would what we had wanted. But we we implanted two sperm into uh, the surrogate, who was a separate woman than the egg donor, and we had fertilized two eggs to be the healthiest ones, and we had taken our sperm and found the healthiest sperm, one of his and one of mine. It must be so hard. in a perfect world, both eggs would have taken. Had that not happened, and only one would have taken, which is generally what happens we would have probably done the process again um using the same egg batch at a different time with only all of the sperm from the other person so that we, it still would have ended up being two just not twins I'm and both took which was just been it's kind of one great one stop shopping i'm not a
1: scientist but how do two men ejaculate onto the same tiny egg is that not how it works
0: <laughs> it's uh, you have to <laughs> you have to do a lot of tantric breathing <laughs> so that you're kind of in sync <laughs> And uh, listening to InSync helps. <laughs> that really helps. Weirdly. Yeah. And then just as you're yeah. and i going, bye, 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 bye. <laughs> and we were done with it. It was
1: all done after that. I feel like a lot of the things that you do <laughs> help legitimize <laughs> legitimize things, like like magic or, or you know, like internet culture or, oh, you know, cool. or like award
0: shows. Well, listen, I hope to have a late chapter where I get to be like Ed Sullivan and have a variety show where, where you come on and watch me for an hour, like show you cool things. And I hope a lot of those cool things get to be, um, you know, sword swallowers and cats on tight ropes. that's the next chapter is talk like show like that well, well I don't know about well talk show variety show variety maybe. show maybe um but I like that you say that and I like that I'm I'm developing uh, a hypothetical sense of trust that if I'm if I'm pitching something that I think it's 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 decent at least. I think it was important. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what I've taken a couple money jobs and pitched things that I didn't necessarily <laughs> love.
1: Hey, it's the business.
0: <laughs> but you I got diapers to buy. You got to do that sometimes <laughs> solid gold
1: diapers for two babies. <laughs> I think it's I I hope I don't know what that breast milk didn't come from me <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> these tits these, uh, these tits good for very little drier than Palm Springs these tits <laughs> I, uh, I I think it was I don't know what the, 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 the process was like for you when you decided to be open about your sexuality yeah. but I think it was very important because when,
0: when was it for you <laughs> when what happened? What happened in your, when you decided to be open about your sexuality? When did that really? Just
1: now, I was like, I really. It's time. Yeah, I think it's time oh, nice. finally.
0: But I think it was. I think it's. I think it's
1: important. I think it was important for, for you know, because we don't live still. I mean, like you and I are around open minded people, but the country as a whole is not super open minded. And I think it's important because people. People like all different type. You're kind of the the linchpin of a whole different types of groups. Like people, a lot of people look up to you. And I think it was important for you to come out because it just makes regular people go, "Oh, I guess it's not a crazy thing. He's he's, he's normal guy. I guess it's fine."
0: Well, and we live in a time now where, regardless of where you live, you have access to a lot more information, and you have access to a community um, that may not be. In your town, mm-hmm. but you—you know—we have access to support groups uh, via Wi-Fi that is, you know, life-saving. But at the same time, you're getting to see examples of people of all kinds of different people. You know, before I think before the internet, you really only knew what was around you, and if you happen to be lucky enough to go to a big city for a spell and see all kinds of different people, and appreciate that. Um, there's a diversification existing in, in America that is awesome. Then you would just only know your little world, and but now with that, with that influx of information comes, I think, an acceptance of, of different types of people. I mean, we live. You can see on TV now a thousand examples of gay and lesbian people as characters on shows, as contestants on Amazing Race, as you know. There's whole networks devoted to that stuff. And so I feel like now what was not talked about because it was scary, because you just didn't have any information about it, now everyone has a cousin or or a niece or a nephew or a grandchild or someone who's gay. I don't think that that stigma um, means as much as it did anymore. I think a lot of the stigma of that came out of ignorance. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's the way it was, but it's not that way anymore. There's just so many. If someone's like a really flamey, fruity, you know, dance-around little kid that's probably going to grow up to be gay that's awesome now there's tons of examples of that and there's tons of and that's a good thing I don't think that needs to be suppressed and thankfully I think more and more states are concurring
1: I always I like characters that are just incidentally gay and it has nothing to do with their like
0: Sarah Silverman's show with those two guys that were
1: oh yeah 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 Brian and Steve Agee that was fantastic
0: that yeah, yeah, they were Brian like Plotinus. the straightest like, yeah, I fucking love guy. you bro I fucking love you too bro yeah, they were like stoners that played video games <laughs> all the time but they were gay that's just see that's awesome
1: also John Barrowman, who you were up against, gay man of the year for a couple years ago, snap in a circle. Who played uh, Captain Jack Harkness on uh, on Doctor Who and Torchwood? Totally incidental. It
0: was just like, oh, by the way, this character's gay. But he's Captain Jack Harkness, like, sure. but he was like omnisexual, right? Was he gay though all the way? Oh, maybe he was. That? Maybe he was. Maybe I he think was. He had a boyfriend, but he was also with chicks. I I didn't watch that show. I'm probably not as nervous. Omnisexual is the the
1: correct PC term for someone who will have sex with male, female, uh, some sort of third alien neutral gender that we're not aware of. That's hot.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Omnisexual, that's kinda of where it's at. Yeah. Isn't it? It's the new black. I'm totally open. African American, sorry. <laughs> it's the new African American. <laughs>
1: Omnisexual. I mean whatever. Black, white, tree people, <laughs> Slovene I don't care. Whatever. You got a fish? The Hobbit. The Hobbits? Whatever. You name it.
0: Yeah. What do you think of the Hobbit movie? I'm excited about it. I mean, I love All projects. Right. I'm going to interview you. What are your what are the big movies that you're looking forward to seeing?
1: I, hands down, the Avengers. Yeah, I'm really I'm really looking forward to because it's had so much build up for so long, and I I don't know I probably wouldn't be as excited about it if it weren't Joss. Mm. Um, but I think I think Avengers is the one that you know that's one that I'll be at opening day.
0: What about Lorax? What do you think? What are your thoughts on? Lorax? I haven't I didn't see Lorax, but I was reading an interesting
1: uh, sort of deconstruction of how it. It kind of violated all these cardinal rules of what a movie shouldn't do, and still like opened huge. Where it was like super environmental, oh. um, you know, uh, it, like uh, what do they say, like uh, too many names in it or something? And you know, it came out on a weekend. I don't know, it was all these different things. It got, a, it didn't, it was reviewed not great, Yeah. Uh, and still, you know, made seventy million dollars. Great title,
0: bright colors. Yeah. And uh no competition.
1: <laughs> the poster of just the Lorax must. I mean, I was I was skeptical when I heard that they were making the Lorax because the the original a- animated Lorax, the Chuck Jones one, mm-hmm. is very sacred mm-hmm. to me. And so I'm like, Hollywood, come on, what are you Zac doing? Efron. How many things do we have to dig up and fuck? How many things, Hollywood, <laughs> do we need to dig it uh, up and stick our arrogant Hollywood dicks in and try to pump for money? And and but you know it's it. it Listen, to have a movie where families can go see a thing together, I mean, I, you know, but I haven't, I didn't see the Lorax. Project X, did you see it? I did not see that either. I, you know, I've... That been, seems cool to me. I've been touring so much. I know. You're on the very, weekends. You're very famous now. I'm not famous. I'm just busy. You're a good teleprompter. I'm i I'm, I will say that I am an excellent teleprompter reader. It's a skill. It is, a, it is a weird skill.
0: If they ever remake Clue the movie... Yep. I will shit on the floor. That's one of the sacred cows that I can't see. That oh, I thought you meant tried to do that. Do you know what I thought
1: you meant for a second? In a there? good way. I thought you meant that was going to be that was going to be your character's weapon. Neil Patrick Harris didn't study with a pile of shit.
0: Wow. Wow. I, I don't know. I don't know more than that. Like, Mr. If Brown. I, if I, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Brown. In the in the commode. <laughs> Mr. Brown with, with a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a movie that I um, love so much that flames on the side of my head. No, if, if they I, they can't uh, remake that
1: movie, it could have happened. This it's just a, the next movie is just ten more endings. Yeah, or it, or could, it could have, have happened. Have happened this. Like this. you don't you don't want it to remake till they ask you to do it,
0: which they probably would. Oh, that would be an interesting call. I would definitely do it. I want to do a movie um, with the Waiting for Guffman gang. Do you know Christopher Guest? I
1: don't. I auditioned for him once. and For one of those kind of movies? No, it was for a, um, he was doing a series of commercials. Uh, Someone hired him to do uh, a commercial, and so I went in and, and had to improvise in front of him, and he was very nice, uh, very dry, very
0: dry sense of humor. Sure. Um, but, I yeah, mean, he seems like the kind of guy that if you did a scene with him and were hilariously funny, like killed it, yeah. that he'd be like, great, let's do it again. Like I, I don't think that you would get anything from him. Oh my God! I, you just reminded me that after
1: this audition, this was this was so long ago. I was still fat and drinking and smoking, and I went outside on the bat, and I was so nervous after the audition that I was smoking. And he came out, and you know, he just looked like an older gentleman, had the glasses on the little chain hanging, like his mm-hmm. his reading glasses mm-hmm. hanging from his very very conservative sweater. He's very neat, kempt gentleman. And I'm smoking, and, and he was like... Uh, he, said, he said something nice, like, oh, that was that was a nice job. And then he's like, what are you doing with the smoking? What are you doing? Oh. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you, you're a young guy. Come on. What are you doing? And right as that happened, an ash flew off the end of the cigarette and landed on his sweater, oh. which he did immediately... Like, there was an almost obsessive, like, unclean, unclean! <laughs> and I, I felt so... Not only did I just... Not only am I being a punk kid, like being all fat and smoking a cigarette outside the audition, I just ashed yep. on Christopher Guest. <laughs> oh my God, is that him? <laughs> so uh, yeah, and that was that was he
0: may have helped me quit smoking. All oh my ago. God, he's just that, that group. I love those movies so much. Yeah, I love that mentality so much. And uh, when that that was my favorite part of the Oscars just that that little bit that they had when they were the focus group. For the uh, Wizard of Oz. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I missed the
1: Oscars. Did you really? I did. I just saw because I was working. Because Talking Dead shoots on Sunday night. We're live on Sunday nights. Uh, and so. How's that going, Talking Dead? Fun. I gave up on the show.
0: You did. Not Talking Dead. Walking. Dead. You gave up on walk. You should watch this season. Really? Hmm. There's. Here's some... my problem. I watched the whole first season riveted. Yep. Loved it. Yep. Then they announced season two. Here's what happens. The core group, in every show. Gets uh, accosted by zombies. Yep. They survive, Mm-hmm. and that's the show. So then the next show happened, and they're like going through the. It's all quiet, and they're they're at the all the dead cars and the car heap, and they're they have to get the gas, and they have their different scenes, and then oh wait a minute, what's that sound? Here's a whole oh, bunch of zombies. Yep. There you go. Oh shh, don't make a move. Right. They'll find you. Well, and then they live. Yep. And then that's the show. You, now, at a certain point, y- do we, they needed to only have it be one season long. Because as soon as they start having season two, and then, hey, it's a hit season three, the, the, you know, the leads are going to live.
1: Let me tell you something. No one is safe on the show. There was a major death that just happened last night that people are in up in arms about.
0: Please tell me it was the best friend guy.
1: I'm not, I can't say anything. Why? But I will Why? say it's this. It's already aired. This hasn't already that's yeah, true, but you know, but a lot of people haven't seen it yet. You you should watch, um, you should watch the second. You should watch second season. The first couple episodes of the second season are not zombie heavy. It's pe- it's people relationship heavy. But Glenn Mazzara, who did The Shield, mm-hmm. took over the show. Yeah. And the show has been fucking amazing For real? For real so like right. There are things that you don't see coming That at the end of an episode You'll be like What the fuck? Like, really? Genuinely So just just okay. If you just give it another chance Dude I trust your
0: opinion on everything I Including that. television that. and cameras I appreciate that I will call you If I have any kind of tech camera question And you say like No get the Canon uh, S100 It's the best camera around Or something like that <laughs> And I'll follow you on the walking Is it better than uh, American Idol? I, yes, it's okay. better than American Idol. What about American Idol
1: could use some zombies. I mean other than Steven Tyler.
0: Hello. What are we? Hey is it uh, Belched wars. Is it better than Dance Moms? It's probably better than Dance Moms. Okay. Um, another one I can't watch not in season two. Than I tried to watch Dance Moms in season two. Dave and I sit on the couch, we're like, it's the same shit. It's happening in every storage episode. Storage Mob War. Oh hey. You know I saw a new one last night. Las Vegas Jailhouse. What the fuck is that? Have you seen this? No it's it's a jailhouse in Las Vegas and apparently everyone's allowed to be filmed and so it follows the people that are in for one night the one I saw had a dude that was on crystal meth for day 4 and he was naked and they had to strap him to a chair and he was freaking out and going crazy and strippers and like crazy oh sad my God. people It's like, it was fantastic. Las Vegas Jailhouse, I loved it. All right. New new favorite show. I'll give it a shot. (laughs) Yeah, Is it better than Las Vegas Jailhouse? It's probably better than, I mean, it's probably better than Las Vegas
1: Jailhouse. But is it better? Although, they're they're, they're dead men walking.
0: Oh. Oh, it's kind of the same. Yo. Is it better than, and I'm going to tell you my favorite uh, series of all season this last year. I don't think it can be beaten. And I'm not kidding. Okay. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. You're definitely not kidding. You watch? I don't know. Have seen
1: w- it? Seriously? I can't. Oh, that one. Reality television just makes my my dick go into my body. Like it just it just makes me like cringe. Well, but if your dick's long enough, it can go into your
0: body in the good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like the hip part of the front part of it sticks out like a turtle. No, I mean like you can flip it forward, then you can actually put it inside your own body. Oh, I can't do that. But in the fun way, I can't do that. So, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Should I get a longer dick or just move my butthole? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't beat that. <laughs> I was going to talk about the Housewives at Beverly Hills and the guy <laughs> hung himself and stuff, but... Oh, shit. When you say move your butthole, I'm I'm
1: out. I'm sorry. I, uh, I, I, I have great respect for that poor man
0: who I don't know what happened. Oh, it was unbelievable. Watching the people in Beverly Hills exist legitimately and knowing that one of the players in this sad, crazy world... And not all crazy, like, some of them I really like hangs himself to death and watching and you see his wife who's apparently being abused by him she's having a meltdown during the season and n- normally those housewives things are just get them in a room and have them fight at each other and scream and pull each other's hair and shit and i don't like those ones but this one you're like watching going i'm watching every episode going wow she's a mess and i think he's abusing her and he ends up hanging himself somehow, and you're watching it all go down, and it didn't seem exploitive, and it didn't seem like they were putting them in situations to create conflict. It was just watching these people coexist in in this horribly surreal way, and on a reality show, no less, where there's camera crews and guys filming. Unbelievable. It was an unbelievable season of that show. All right. Well, I'll give it... Maybe I'll give it a chance, then. That one is cuckoo kachoo, okay. in the best possible way. All right. Well, thank you so much for. Uh, You're welcome. I'm excited for part two. Yes, sir. I feel like we missed a bunch of things. We missed the porn chapter. But, we missed um, uh, the. Uh, I spent a few years uh, climbing mountains. Yeah. Uh, the furniture restoration years—we mm-hmm. didn't—we didn't touch on any of that. Uh, my love of NASCAR—we got nowhere near that. No, we didn't even have time to get to NASCAR. And the fact that I have a, a two-headed cow fetus in my freezer—that part might be true. That is true, actually. <laughs> I exactly. have insects in my freezer. Really? Yeah. yeah. Someone gave me a two-headed cow fetus um, in a big giant formaldehyde jar in Albuquerque one one day when I was living there. I, did, I, I bought it. Yeah. They said, hey, do you want a two-headed cow feed? And the it? answer's always yes. Wouldn't it be? Yeah. When else if? Bucket list. Yeah. A formaldehyde jar list. <laughs> and so I said yes, Then the, and it had proceeded to break and is now wrapped up in a bag in uh, the refrigerator in our garage. Oh, my God. Which begs the question, what happens next? If anyone is listening and they know how to, like, uh, make that come back... Not to life. To life? life? But, oh, <laughs> no. buddy, I got some bad news. <laughs> no, gonna... can make it, can re... Animate. <laughs> no, can just put it in a... It's another formaldehyde jug. Um, uh, I feel like we're playing pyramid. What um, is it called? Uh, the guys that... Uh, Mount? Yeah. Stuffing? Taxidermy. Yeah. Taxidermy. If there's <sighs> any taxidermist people that are listening that would know what to do with something like this, I, I would appreciate it because I we can't use the refrigerator for anything else. No We have children We can't put any other like Why don't you have David prepare it? He is an excellent oh. chef oh. Pickled cow
1: faces
0: <laughs> Two of
1: them <laughs> it's, a delica- deli- it's a delicacy <laughs> You can only feed your twins twin things Ew. That's how twins work That's grody Is it?
0: Yeah Is it really? No, it's kind of delicious I think, uh, take it to a taxidermist There's a taxidermist in town somewhere didn't you hear what I just said? What, no, I'm sorry, no, I wasn't paying attention. There's no taxidermist in town somewhere. Oh, I missed that, I'm sorry. What do you, you can't just take it in a bag to somebody. You hear? Here, do something with this. You I keep... need someone that's into this idea of of keeping a two headed cow in a, like, nay, not a glass jug that will shatter, hmm. but a smaller cylindrical plastic. I got your guy. Really? J.J. Abrams. Oh. He will know what to do with it. He may, he
1: likes that kind of stuff. I'm telling you. He might he might have a team that'll do something like that
0: He might just show up and do it himself Like if up with his taxidermy belt Are you kind of in love with J.J. Abrams? A little bit He's amazing mm-hmm. Everything he touches is awesome Yeah, He's one of those guys So that's why you should give him your two, two, two-headed cow It sounds like I'm going to try and have sex with him Yeah, That sounded like a euphemism
1: <laughs> Give him the two-headed cow if you're horribly deformed Yeah,
0: right? <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, I've said too much
1: <laughs> Moo, moo let uh, us chew on these cuts. <laughs> Too much? Perfect. Okay. It was the perfect amount. Yeah, thanks. This is something we say at the end of the podcast. Enjoy right. your burrito, everyone.
0: Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.
1: This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST.